Hello, hello, wellness warriors. Welcome back to What Makes Me Well. I am your host, Sada Jones, and every episode, I sit down with a special guest and we discuss all the different aspects of their life that make them well. Wellness Warriors, I'm so excited for you guys to hear this next episode. All right, so I'm doing things a little differently this time around. So this episode is actually a two-parter, and it's centered around your financial pillar of wellness. In this episode, I'm interviewing debt-free money coach and the millennial money guide, Ayana Campbell-Smith, and we talk about her support systems, and we talk about what keeps her on the right track and able to guide millennial women into financial independence. Then next week, Ayana and I are back with a few things that you should know about money and your relationship with it. And if you're like, if you're like right now going, huh, I have a relationship with money, um, no worries, This financial series is going to be really eye-opening for you, and I want to hear your thoughts about it. And actually, I want to hear your thoughts even if you knew you had a relationship with money. So reach out to me. Find me on Instagram or Twitter. I'm a.joneswellness. And find the podcast. It's What Makes Me Well on Instagram and Twitter. And that is all one word. Also, if you like this episode, share this podcast, share this episode with a friend. Every share, every time you hit that subscribe button or that follow button, or every time you review, it really matters and it pushes the podcast up in the podcast algorithms. So just like Instagram has an algorithm, whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on has an algorithm as well. So every time you share, every time you subscribe to this podcast or you follow it or you leave a review, it really really matters and I appreciate it. All right, one last thing before I get to the episode with money guru Ayana Warriors. I'm sure you've seen it already on your feeds, but I want to say it on the podcast. Check out the weekly ohm preview that's on your feed. Um, I think it's weekly ohm number 10. But either way, listen to it and if you enjoy that meditation prompt and want more content like that, join my Patreon. There are three different tiers that give you access to different things, ranging from podcast merchandise to actual yoga classes and meditation guides. So for those of you that are asking me for yoga classes, asking me for meditation stuff, it's on the Patreon and it's pretty darn sweet. Check it out, you guys. All right, listeners, that's all I got. I mean, for now, I've got a couple of things cooking that I have to wait to share with you, but um, we'll wait for that. Anyway, <laughs> I know that's a really bad teaser, but it is what it is. All right. Here's my interview with the brilliant Ayana Campbell-Smith. And we're back, Wellness Warriors. This week, I have the pleasure of speaking with debt-free money coach and creator of Millennial Money Guide, Ayana. Ayana helps millennial women get unstuck with their finances by helping them ditch debt, save more, and ultimately win with money. And I freaking love that. I stole that directly from her website. You can find Ayana on her Instagram. It's millennialmoney.guide. And she is shelling out all kinds of tips and gem drops. You know I love gem drops. All for that bank account. Ayana, hi. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So excited to be here. I am, I'm like really thrilled about this and I'm kind of nervous. This is like well overdue for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been a fan of you since last year um, or at the top of this year when we did Wellness by Mm -hmm. Design, which 
is a wonderful wellness seminar that I've done twice already. um, This was your first time writing, Anna? Yeah, that was my first time, but I'm well acquainted with the the people that put it on with AIGA Orlando. I used to be on the board back when I lived in Orlando. So yeah, I'm friends with everyone there. (laughs) That's right. And we Mm -hmm. we have a mutual friend of my sister-in-law, which is um, why I became such a fast fan of yours. Because um, Anna just raved about you, and I feel like um, my sister-in-law's never steered me wrong in that type in that direction. Yeah. So um, <laughs> you know, your presentation was amazing, and it it really was. I was like fangirling in the audience, <laughs> like I was like, yes, I co-sign everything she's saying. It was pretty great. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> um, but. We, yeah, we met at Wellness by Design and I am followed you on Instagram that mm-hmm. day. Yep. And then I was just like all, all in on all of your tips. And what I loved about the way you presented it is that there was no, um, no shame in the way that you presented your information and there's no judgment. Mm-hmm. I come from, um, I'm a Dave Ramsey follower We've talked about this and I've talked about it on the podcast and he's great, you know, Um, but he can, it's so pretty strict and there's a lot of judgment. So I struggle with that a lot. Uh Yeah. I feel like a lot of people, a lot of people have their introduction to like personal finance from Dave Ramsey or uncle Dave, like we all call him. But then once we sort of venture a little bit further out, it's like, oh, there are other opinions about finance that we can, you know, that we can listen to. So I think, you know, just being another voice in the community is really important to me. I think so. I think being another Black voice in the community of being another Black female voice is so important because, I mean, I know when I first started my personal finance journey, which was about a year and a half ago, Mm -hmm. and um, it's just me out here. Like, truly, (laughs) it's just me out here. And then, you know, I decided, okay, let me go online and find other debt-free baby steppers. And it's mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a pretty bright community, and um, that's okay. It's okay, yeah. but it's also kind of lonely out here. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, Ayana and <laughs> listeners. Um, Ayana shares the name of my biological sister, so I was like, okay, universe, I hear you. You are <laughs> telling me directly to get to listen yeah. to this woman. So <laughs> that's amazing. I say all that to say thank you for being here. I truly, truly am excited about this. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so um, before we get into everything, and I want to ask you how you've been doing with all of this. How have you been doing with, you know, this COVID um, quarantining, going back to work? We are in, just to timestamp this episode, we're in the middle-ish of October. And um, this virus is not going away. Yeah, sure is. Like it doesn't seem like it, right? <laughs> Rona is here to stay. It seems like, yeah, it's a little crazy. <laughs> yeah, she, she's, she's not going anywhere. No, no, no. Yeah. She's like, yeah. no, you're going to listen to what I have to say and you're going to change your life. So yeah, exactly. Um, so speaking of, I want to know how have you been, how have you been doing? How have you been changing your life? Like how, what's shifted? Yeah, I think it's, it's really interesting just because Um, so you mentioned that we sort of met virtually by wellness by design and that is, it was virtual because I used to live in Orlando 
but now I live in the Cleveland, Ohio area with my husband. We actually relocated here late last year in 2019. So we've been here for about a year, but it's one of those things where it was like, we were just starting to get settled like around March when things started sort of picking up. And then it's like, oh, you're settled in your new city. You don't have any family around. You don't really have that many friends. And oh, look, now you can't go outside. And oh, look, now it's like you're on quarantine and now you have to wear a mask everywhere. So it's been interesting as far as like me handling it. I think I've been okay only because I am very much a homebody. So I don't really mind being home. But it's one of those things that I think we can all relate to where it's like, we don't mind being home when we have the choice to go outside. But when it's like, oh, you can't, now you have to stay at home. Now that's my my body and my brain is like, oh, well, now I want to go everywhere. So it's <laughs> it's definitely been an adjustment. But as far as like my work life, it's been pretty much the same because I do work completely remote. So it's been, it's just one of those things where it's like, on the one hand, it's been okay. But then on the other hand, it is still a little bit sort of like difficult to deal with. So that's where yeah. I'm at. So you've always worked from home. Like, so this transition hasn't like as far as occupancy hasn't been like too too crazy for you no not really like I said when I was living in Orlando I did work for um, a consultancy down there but now like moving to Ohio late last year I went completely fully remote I still work for the company in Orlando and so that transition really hasn't been that hard for me like I'm sitting in my office right now we're recording and my husband and I made it a priority when we moved here we wanted uh, an apartment that had two bedrooms and then a separate office space and so that was like my main priority when we moved was like getting the office set up first. So I would be comfortable, especially with this big transition, like going to full-time remote, being in a different, um, you know, completely different state. Like I wanted a comfortable place to work because I knew that would be where I would be spending most of my time during the day since I am completely remote. So yeah, like I said, the adjustment hasn't been that difficult. It just like, it's just a weird year for all of us, I feel like. So just dealing with that. That's that's really lucky though that um, yeah for sure that you you kind of were like already in the working from home so mm-hmm. much of my friends and myself included you know our business has it, it changed so much mm-hmm. because you know we did a lot of things in person and now it's just yeah. okay h- how are we going to shift virtually and that's been mm-hmm. a uh, that's that's been a fun one for sure for sure yeah, definitely <laughs> for yeah. sure well um let's get into it what was your highlight of the week I know this we're recording on Monday so it's fair to it's fair to say next next week or sorry yeah. last week. last week what, yeah <laughs> what was your highlight of last week so I would say last week was really um interesting for me as far as my business goes because I feel like it was one of the first like real marathon weeks that I've had with my business. So I do one-on-one money coaching. And then recently I've been getting more into like doing speaking for like virtual webinars and summits and things like that. And so I actually last week had uh, two coaching calls on a Friday, two coaching calls on a Saturday. And then the same Saturday, I did a one hour workshop webinar on the same topic that you and I um, sort of met on when I was speaking at Wellness by Design, Paying Yourself First. And then yesterday on Sunday, I did another webinar for the same organization that I spoke to on Saturday. So as far as like that being a highlight, I'm very much one of those people that can get easily overwhelmed when I feel like I have too much on my plate, but I feel like I handled it pretty well. So that was exciting. And I'm always excited to not only connect with my clients, but also to connect with new communities of women and encourage them and educate them about personal finance. So that was definitely exciting for me to do. That is the best. (laughs) Holy crap. That is awesome. Thank you. 
Yeah, that is like, okay, if that was my week, that would definitely be my highlight as well. I definitely, mm-hmm. I'm the type where I'm like, I want to do this, and I want to help out it. And then somehow it happens that the universe grants me it all in the same 48 hours. Yeah, exactly. And then <laughs> it's like, the, oh, and yep. to, to navigate that, to navigate mm-hmm. that as gracefully as as you did is pretty awesome. Yeah, definitely learning how to balance, how to manage my calendar, but I'm having fun doing it. So it's been great. (laughs) Yeah, I know that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, Well, I'll have to say my highlight of the week wasn't, um, well, you know, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to piggyback on you. My highlight Mm -hmm. of the week was a professional highlight in that um, I took a break. That's good. So I've recently learned that I'm a workaholic. Oh, same. <laughs> I didn't know that, like genuinely. And uh-huh. I know the people that are going to listen to this are just going to kiki themselves to death. Mm-hmm. Um, but I genuinely didn't know until this virus happened and mm-hmm. um, I couldn't work. And, yeah. and it was, um, I, I just didn't realize how much work took over my life and how much I identified um, who I am with my job. And even though that is something, right. (laughs) Preaching to the Uh, choir here. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You know, and even though in in some aspects, occupational health, that is important. You want to identify with what you do and you want to love what you do. Um, Mm -hmm. I do have a tendency to overdo it and just become a little bit codependent in my job. So, um, that was a real come to Jesus moment where I was like, oh, I thought I worked on these demons. Turns out I just Mm -hmm. put them in my job. And because it it just so happened that in the, the structure of a coach and student works out that your coach is invested in your life. Right. Um, but then Mm -hmm when you don't have, like when the coach doesn't have anything anymore, the coach should be able to go on with her life. And, but now the coach is like, what, where is my life? So that's where. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. So transitioning <laughs> into like the virtual business space. And of course mm-hmm. I really tend to overdo it. Yeah. So, you know, you start work at like, at least, you know, I get into my recording space at like, you know, 10 o'clock. And I don't leave the recording room until six. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really, you know, it's just overdoing it in all different aspects. Oh, wow. So um, this or last week, I should say, yeah. um, for our anniversary and my birthday, um, we took a little vacation, took a break. We went to North Carolina. It was like, oh, so nice. So oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Mountains are amazing. <laughs> I you yeah. know, Did you know that trees? are supposed to change colors yeah mountains are beautiful (laughs) (laughs) well now I know now because I live in Ohio and that's exactly what they're doing here but when I get just driving around like I went to Target I was running errands before we were sitting here recording this and I was like oh "Oh my gosh the trees are changing like it's so interesting because like the tops are red and then like it kind of gradiates down to green at the bottom and I just know that in another week it'll be completely different going outside and seeing it and it's it's interesting too because you know being inside so much it's like you go outside and everything's completely different because you've been inside for like a week and so much can change in a week. So yeah, learning that trees can actually be different colors was very interesting, yeah, uh, an yeah. interesting thing to learn it's moving like here to Ohio. So wild <laughs> and mother nature is so healing. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was definitely, yeah. um, it was a win because mm-hmm. I'm recognizing, you know, the signs that I'm overdoing it. Um, and then I'm also doing something about it. So that was definitely my highlight of the week. 
uh, what did you do last week to support your well-being? And that can be like across the board. Um, I would say it's one of those things too, where like you were saying, where you, you were, you learned that you're a workaholic. And so it always seems like everything that I do comes back to work. And so I will say one thing that I did to support my well-being was being okay with not feeling like I had to have my hands in every part of my business last week because I was so busy. So I knew that I had these speaking engagements coming up. I knew that my clients are my priorities when it comes to money coaching. And so I had to be okay last week saying, you know what, this week I'm not going to be on my Instagram stories every day like I normally am. I'm going to be okay with not posting. My business is going to be fine. Like I don't have to be on there every single day. I'm not going to lose all of my potential clients or whatever, or my current clients. So yeah, just being okay with taking a break. And then also just today, in addition to that, like knowing that I was going to be so busy over the weekend, I intentionally took Monday off to rest and like to record this podcast. This is like, I love doing podcasts, so this isn't really work to me, but like I took the rest of the day off to just like rest and recharge before I hit the ground running again next week or this tomorrow, I guess. So yeah, that's what I did. I love it when we get into that space where we can plan like, okay, I know this is going to be really, really rough. So I'm going to go ahead and just be proactive and plan this rest day. So I don't burn myself out. Like, Whew, when we get to that mm-hmm. point in like emotional maturity, it's exactly. like, oh, wow, why didn't I do that like before? But yeah, good. Yay, that's good for you. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think <laughs> mm-hmm. mine is, again, going to be a yeah. little bit similar on the for packing for the trip. Um, mm-hmm. I brought recording equipment because <clears throat> I was like, oh, well, maybe we'll have some downtime and okay. I can record something <laughs> in the hotel room. Because again, I have an issue. Um, so mm-hmm. um, what I intentionally did is I, I mm-hmm. put all the recording equipment in like a corner of the in the room. And I was like, if, if it naturally happens mm-hmm. where we're in that space, where we're like, okay, this let's record something. We'll do it. But um, I'm not going to force it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to like schedule time in our vacation to work. Cause that's, Ah, that's yeah, insane. So, so I listened to yeah. myself. So yeah, that's definitely what I did. It, why is it so hard yeah, to be good to no, ourselves? That is the question. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like one of those learned, those things we have to learn how to do. It's like a muscle yeah. we have to flex and oh, grow and so real, so real. all that stuff. So yeah. Speaking of being good to ourselves, I want to know what your recipe for wellness is. Oh, wait, no, I got ahead of myself. All right. Listeners, I want to know your highlight of the week. So reach out to me, shout out to me on Instagram, on Twitter. You can snap a picture, hashtag it, what makes me well, or WMMW pod. And yeah, let me know your highlight of the week. You can also shoot me an email, what makes me well at gmail.com. Okay, now for real, for real. Ayana, I want to know what your recipe for wellness is. <laughs> How did you discover what it was that you needed to maintain your wellness? Yeah, I think that a huge part of my recipe for wellness is just like I was touching on before, building in or like being more intentional with my periods of rest, Um, being a workaholic, like we keep coming back to, it's just like, it's so, I think there's a sort of a negative connotation with workaholic and I can understand why, but it's not always that like we feel like we have to work because if we don't work, it's a bad thing. Some of us just really find fulfillment and joy in the work that we do. But even with, I think when you are that way, it is even more 
um, it's easier for you to become burnt out because you don't really recognize that you're working yourself into the ground because you're also enjoying the work that you're doing. Um, And so for me, yeah, it's just been one of those things where especially like balancing a full-time job and balancing a growing business has really been a learning lesson for me for the past year going on, you know, year and a half or whatever it might be, because what I keep telling myself is when it comes to millennial money guide it is my passion and so I want to make sure that it's something that I can actually sustain and I don't want to like run this race and run and run and run and then get burnt out and then like you know miss my calling or miss all the other opportunities that are in my future because I ran too hard and then ended up giving up because it was too much and so definitely as far as like discovering the importance of rest I the same as like what you were saying I have discovered that it really is easy for me to sort of fall into those workaholic tendencies And so building in those periods of rest, being intentional about or trying to be intentional about the amount of time that I spend looking at screens, um, finding other activities that I can do that don't involve always being in front of a computer or on my phone. Um, So, yeah, resting, spending quality time with my husband is also super important to me. Um, You know, that can be a little difficult, too, just because of, you know, how busy I am. But just really recognizing that like when those things start to creep up and just trying to be intentional about, you know, making time for the things that are going to be good for my soul and good for my well-being, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. It makes, it makes perfect sense. I love that. Um, Was there a time where just things became a little bit out of control and what was that come to Jesus moment? And what did that look like? Like what does, I don't want to say imbalanced, but like misaligned Ayana look like? Um, yeah, I would, there's definitely been a couple of moments. And that's why I was just saying like this past, I think it would probably be the past, probably two years where I've just been learning a lot about myself and what, like, sort of like the telltale signs are of when I'm misaligned. Um, so going back to not, not even just with my business, but with my day job, like, I am, so growing up, I, I don't have any problems saying that I've always been sort of like a high achieving type of woman. And so I found a lot of my self worth, I'm discovering in like my achievements and my grades in school and being told that I did good on these projects and things like that. And so, you know, graduating college, I have a degree in graphic design. And so when I was in college, a lot of what I went through was a lot of like my projects always got A's. I always was like, you know, top of the class, this and that. Teachers uh-huh. never really had any like bad feedback. <laughs> yeah, you know. So when I got into, <laughs> when I got into the real world and I was started working with people that were not my college professors, they weren't my peers. Um, and I learned that the work that I did was not always going to be like just this amazing thing that my clients were automatically going to love. I'm talking about yeah. graphic design here. So the design work that I do in my day job, um, that was like a really difficult moment for me because I don't think I, I had flexed that muscle of being able to take critique and not have it to be able to separate myself from the work that I do and my self-worth from my work. And so there was definitely a a big moment. I believe it might've been like 2018, early 2018, where I had this really, um, this new project with a new client and they just, we weren't seeing eye to eye on it. And I was just taking it super personal, thinking that because they didn't like the work that I was doing, that it made me a bad designer or it made me a bad person. And maybe I'm not in the right career and this and that. And so that was definitely a come to Jesus moment where once I sort of got through that um, little rough patch and, you know, I had people that I respect and admire sort of speak into me and say, you know what, it's not you. It's, it's not, you're not the problem. You're not the issue. 
people are going to have different opinions. You're not going to get everything right. You're not going to always see eye to eye with people. And that doesn't make you a bad person or a bad, you're not bad in your career. And so I think it was one of those things where it was like, um, I had to come to terms with that fact and really work on, like I said before, separating myself and my self-worth from the work that I do. And so that's just been an ongoing journey. And so then now with this new pursuit of growing a business, it's like relearning that all over again. It's like, it's like, you know, now it's like my baby too. So it's like, whenever things don't go my way with that, it's like, oh crap, like I'm, I'm feeling these feelings creep back up again. So I need to like, I recognize them. I need to recall the things, you know, those things I need to tell myself, those positive affirmations, you know, just remember how I felt before, how I got through it before and how this is just a temporary thing. And you know, my self-worth is not tied to the work that I do. So, yeah. Wow. That is so, so like so deep and such an important, um, like it's such a self-care tool because we, we get so, um, and I'm saying like the, the universal we, but also me, mm-hmm. I should say, I yeah. mm-hmm. get my, get so, um, sucked into, into that and I'm definitely like I recall a time like when you said getting getting too attached and taking them too personally that like mm-hmm. triggered a that triggered a memory of um of just a, me a situation between me and a client um one of my uh one of my coaching clients um mm-hmm. and it was I can't remember what it was we were it it was literally I think it was literally hey I need you to I think the best route to get to your goal is A B and C and mm-hmm. this person was like yeah but I'm gonna do A C and D and and it, I just like took it so personally where I was yeah. just kind of like well if you're not gonna listen to me then <laughs> you know maybe you should, like I was ready to just be like well we don't need to train it like this yeah. very very personally and mm-hmm. my way is the highway and um there was also a time when um it wasn't even my business this is how like in my feelings I was about it mm-hmm. I was literally just in a meeting an office meeting and if any of my old coworkers are listening to this, you remember this issue. Um, they were just talking about like, oh, what are what are some ideas, you know, the staff is throwing around ideas for, um, you know, client engagement and enrolling in memberships and what gifts can we give our members? And I'm like, mm-hmm. give them gifts. They're not working <laughs> hard enough in the first place. And I'm just like, looking back, I'm like, I thought calm down. Like, it's just, <laughs> Uh, like a few people that are just like doing things a little bit differently than what you're telling them to do. And then mm-hmm. like all of a sudden you don't want to like offer enrollment benefits. Like, who are you? What are you like? Not yeah. a businesswoman? It, yeah. Yeah. We get, I, I mean, I get very just attached and then angry and, and it gets mm-hmm. like very rare. It's yeah. so, it's yeah. hard. Yeah. I totally relate to that. I can understand that too, for sure. <laughs> it's yeah it's crazy um so how now knowing what you know how do you maintain your wellness like what are and I don't mean like your daily routines but what are um what are things that you do that support your well-being and allow you to work a full-time job which I I don't know how I forgot but of course you do 
Um, <laughs> and also, you know, start this business that is thriving. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, getting in, I know you said not really my daily routine, but I, I don't, one of the things I really do feel like I do need more of a structured daily routine because I think that I sort of thrive on structure and so like anytime a wrench gets thrown in my plan it kind of makes me freak out a little bit so I think that I would actually benefit from a daily routine but as far as like things that I have found that help me maintain my well-being um I think I've recently tried to get um trying to get back into journaling and so so one of the things that I kind of struggle with sometimes is when I do have a particularly busy week or a particularly busy season or a, like a new season that's unfamiliar to me, I tend to sometimes wake up like the second my eyes are open or the second I'm awake, I have like instant anxiety of like, oh, I need to get out of bed. I need to go th- do this and that. And oh, I got to post on Instagram, got to do this meeting, blah, 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 write this stuff. So like it's one a, of the things, start, yeah, like, yeah, it's like go. a switch yeah. and it's really frustrating because who wants to start their morning with anxiety or worry or whatever and so it's definitely something that I'm working on too but one thing that has been helping me a lot really recently is trying to be more intentional about my mornings and how I'm spending my time so it's not like jump out of bed go straight to my desk and start working yeah I've been trying to do more of like like I said journaling so I discovered um, I was watching YouTube videos about journaling and routines and someone was mentioning this thing called morning minutes where basically you just take 10 minutes every morning before you get to your desk before you start working and you journal for 10 minutes you set a timer you just sort of like freely write whatever is on your mind and so for me it's usually reflecting on the day before reflecting on my current thoughts and feelings now um you know reflecting on the things that are good reflecting on the things that are bothering me and so it's really a mixture of different things but I think I'm someone that I don't necessarily like. I think the creative side of me likes the act of writing, not necessarily like written, like, what am I trying to say? Not like the thought process of writing, but the actual physical act of writing letters is calming to me. And I think that's my oh. creative sort of like artist side. Yeah. Cause yeah. I like, I like having really neat handwriting. And so it's really one of those things where it's like taking the time to write letters, but then also getting my feelings out. Um, and my thoughts and, you know, my fears and my anxieties on paper is really fun for me. And then not only that, but the fact that I can then reflect on it a month later and see where I was at on October, what's supposed to be the 19th, October 19th, 2020. And I look back the next week and I'm like, oh, that's what I was worried about back then. That's, that worked out completely <laughs> fine. And so it's one of yeah. those things where you can reflect and it always serves as a reminder of, you know, you were in this season where you felt uncertain or scared or anxious, but you got through it three days later and it was completely fine. And it really just helps to put things into perspective. So yeah, I think ref- that whole act of writing and reflection has been really good for my well-being. Um, and then, you know, as far as like actual activities that I like to do, I like to try to get out um, in the morning too. So I'll do my morning minutes and then I'll try to go out and I'll just walk around the neighborhood for like half an hour or 30 minutes yeah. and I'll listen to a podcast or listen to a sermon or something like that just to sort of have a slow start to my morning and then I'll feel more refreshed like I've had some me time and then I think it really helps me feel more um just ready to face my day <laughs> because I do yeah. think that when you when you come to your you know you try to start your work day you come to your desk in sort of like a frantic state which is I guess that's the best word to describe it's just feeling a little frantic when I wake up I think having that period of rest and sort of reflection is really helpful yeah I completely, yeah, I completely agree. I Mm -hmm. completely agree. I've been, um, 
I've been learning to not beat myself up for, oh, this is, this is going to sound terrible, but I've been learning to not beat myself up for wanting that easy morning routine. Yeah. Um, and I think, well, not, I think I know it's because I, when I was growing up and just being raised in a, you know, go, go, go. Puerto Ricans are always late. Sorry, there, I said it. We're always late. So it's yeah. like, I would wake up and my mom, get up, we got to go. And it's this. Like, yeah. And then I, as an adult, I would set my alarm, you know, five minutes before I absolutely needed to get up to get going. Um, mm-hmm. And there was just a point where I, I can't remember exactly when it probably was when I decided to teach group classes and I left like this, the structured nine to five job. Mm-hmm. Um, and like group classes start a little bit later. I was able to like wake up at, you know, my normal time, like seven o'clock or six thirty, but then I wouldn't need to actually be anywhere until like, you know, 10 o'clock. So there's that yeah. window where I was like, Oh, I can, enjoy coffee I can you know of course in the beginning it was like I'm just gonna binge watch tv and not make good use of my time because yeah. I was like mm-hmm. 22 and idiot um <laughs> you know but like now as I've gotten older it's it's okay coffee walk the dogs it's journal it's meditate it's do mm-hmm. a yoga flow it doesn't have to be a two-hour thing it can be like yeah. a 15 minute and that was like such um it, it was good and it is good, but mm-hmm. I also experienced so much guilt almost yeah. like, hey, who do you think you are mm-hmm. getting a luxury? You know, and it's, it's, yeah. that, um, it's that judgmental voice that we all grow up with, but yeah. um, learning to be okay with that and learning to recognize that I need that. Like we need that in our soul and our spirit. You're not meant, to, we're not animals. We're not meant to like get up and go or, our yeah. bodies actually don't work like that. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if yeah. I know that about my muscles, why don't I just accept that, right? Huh. <laughs> it's funny that you say that too, because I'm like the the job that I work currently too, it's very much one of those, like, you know, there are certain, you know, meetings I have to be at and like things like that. But it, my job, I'm very blessed in that I do get a lot of freedom in setting my own schedule and my work-life balance is really great. And I know a lot of people aren't, you know, as blessed to have that. And so- yeah kind of like what you were saying where you didn't, you would wake up at a certain time, but you didn't really have to be somewhere until 10. That's the exact same schedule that I have. And so that's why it's even more frustrating when I wake up at seven or when I wake up at eight, when my alarm goes off and I immediately think like, Oh, I got to go do this. But I really, no one needs me until, (laughs) until 10 at the earliest maybe. So yeah, it's definitely one of those things of just like making better use of my time because I don't have to be at my desk until a certain amount or a certain time. And then also knowing that when I do sort of, you know, spend, spend those quiet moments in the morning that I actually show up better because I'm not stressed out. Like I've actually, you know, decompressed, I've gotten rid of the anxiety that I might've woken up with. So yeah, it's just, it's just recognizing that and being okay with having a slower pace, but also like working with the way that your energy sort of um, ebbs and flows, because there are some mornings when I wake up and I'm just ready to go and I feel okay. And so I don't think it would be behoove me to wait until 10 
if I'm ready to go like legitimately. Yeah. So being yeah. okay with like having different seasons of like productivity and seasons when you need rest and like listening to the way that your body, um, your body responds to how you're feeling, I think is really important too. I love the way you say that seasons of productivity. That's like, that is the perfect, I'm, I'm, I'm going to write that down because that's like the perfect term because that's mm-hmm. exactly what it's seasons of productivity because it's not, that's, and of course there's the, the self, you know, self-judgment, that self, uh, negative self-talk where it's like, oh, I'm, I, I'm not just being a lazy ass this mm-hmm. you know this week or whatever or today it's just I'm a little bit oh what's happening here I'm a little bit um um just I don't I'm not feeling it in the morning for some reason yeah. I'm feeling like I want to get in my recording studio at eight o'clock at night and I'm feeling productive yeah, exactly. in the evening isn't that the, that's like the weirdest mm-hmm. thing um, yeah no I, I totally relate to that too I feel like you and I are very yeah. similar personalities because yeah. I do have sometimes when I'm a total like I would say that I'm more of a night owl than a morning person for sure but there are some times when I just have a, a really you know sense of calm about getting to work early in the morning and so I'll listen to my body and I'll get to my desk at 7 a.m and be done with my work day before anyone else has showed up so yeah. um yeah it's it's yeah it's, I think it's just about being okay with with doing that. And I want to actually go back to the, what did I say? Seasons of productivity. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I read recently too, you know, this is very timely for what we're going through with coronavirus and the pandemic is this whole idea of like pandemic fatigue, because I think a lot of us are having a hard time with, um, with feeling like we're not being as productive, productive as we should be during this period of time. But what we're not remembering is sort of like the trauma that we're all collectively experiencing with what's going on like people are dying there's this crazy election cycle going on like it's just been a lot so really giving yourself some grace and being okay with the fact that it's okay that you're not feeling super productive you've been on quarantine for the last eight months or whatever it is people you know like I said it's this never-ending cycle of news and media and the virus and all the other stuff and so it just recognizing that that is a lot for anyone to go through and we're all going through it at the same time, I think has also helped to give me, has given me some grace and knowing that it's okay with the fact that some mornings I wake up and I just don't really feel like doing anything. And it is a struggle to get out of bed sometimes and to be Mm -hmm. productive, but that doesn't mean that that makes me a bad person or that I'm, you know, that, that it's going to be like that every day. It's really just, like I said, it's a season that you're going through and something that you have to work through. Yeah. Wow. That's so real. That is mm-hmm. so real. Um, okay, so I want to pivot a little bit and talk about something that affects us all um, in quarantine, out of quarantine. But I do want to talk about um, our personal journeys with money and mm-hmm. um, how we've come to value money and why we've come to value money in our lives yeah. and and um, we we don't have to like get too much into the nitty-gritty that's what um the second part of this um the series is about um mm-hmm. we'll definitely get into the reason we'll, the reasons why your financial health and financial literacy is so important and all the different ways that it affects your life but I do want to talk about how we have each come into um, this season in our lives. Um, Callbacks. So <laughs> I'll have you start, Ayana. How did you get to the point where millennial money guides are saying? Mm-hmm. 
Um, okay, so let's see if I can keep the story a little brief because it really isn't that long. But I think the biggest sort of motivator in promoting financial literacy is I so I feel like I was very blessed in that I had personal financial education or I had good role models growing up and that my parents, you know, they were Dave Ramsey, you know, people and so they knew about this that snowball so and all that stuff. Of that by the way. <laughs> like I am so yeah. <laughs> envious that like uh-huh. that that's your life. Like yeah. I don't know much about it, but that's the only part that I know and I'm like, yeah. oh, I wish that was me. <laughs> yeah. And so that's why it's like I was definitely very blessed in that regard. And so yeah. when it when it came to my own personal finances, graduating college, getting a big girl job, like I I felt relatively confident in in the aspects that I was dealing with then as far as like paying the few bills that I had on time, avoiding debt, making sure that I did well in school so I didn't have to go into student loan debt. Like those are all good things that were working in my favor. But the real turning point I would say when I realized that it was other information that I should share was the fact that, you know, my husband and I got engaged in 2015. We got married in 2016. But during that period of engagement and wedding planning, I was, I honestly was like solely focusing on the wedding and being under budget for that and not spending too much money. But I hadn't done any of the math about like how much it actually costs to be an adult. Because at the time I was still living with my parents, my husband was still living with his parents. And so we were going to be obviously moving in together after the wedding. Um, and so I, I'm completely honest, like I, I pretty sure I had like a, a panic attack because yeah. I was like, Oh my God, how, how are we going to afford this? Cause my husband was still finishing up at UCF. He was still finishing his degree. I was working full time. He's in the military. Oh. So he was just like a little, a couple years behind me because he had deployed. It's a long story. So, you know, he I was still going to be finishing school. I would have been like, Nope, not doing <laughs> sorry. I wasn't prepared. Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. So we had to have, so the good thing about um, my husband is like, I know there's a question that's coming up about, you know, support systems, but he definitely is one of my support systems. So even before them, before then he was like, it's going to be okay. Like we just had a little meeting. He's like, I make this much money. You make this much money. It costs this much money to do that. We need to save this. So it was one of those things where like me recognizing the uncertainty that, um, that finances has when it comes to like being a millennial, having these major life milestones, like getting married, moving in together, all those things like that. I was like, surely I'm not the only millennial who is dealing with this or who has Mm -hmm. questions. And so as far as how Millennial Money Guide came to be, I was literally sitting on my couch back when I lived in Orlando and I was watching Downton Abbey. And I started like making this list of like personal finance topics on my phone. Um, Because like I mentioned, I am a creative person. And so many times when you are creative, you want to have some sort of creative outlet, some sort of project to devote yourself to. And for me, it was really important to have something that wasn't directly tied to the work that I do every day, because I wanted it to be an actual outlet as opposed to like an extension of my day job. And so I used, um, you know, I I had a list of topics. I think it ended up being 30 topics after just sitting there watching Downton Abbey, writing these random notes on my phone. And so I was like, this obviously has legs and it should go somewhere. I shouldn't just leave this as a note in my phone. And so I was like, what is like the lowest barrier to entry thing that I can do to still have a creative outlet, but not have it be something that's going to be stressful to me and let it grow sort of organically, as opposed to feeling like it has to be something I need to monetize right away or have it be a business. And so I decided to start a monthly newsletter. I was like, sending an email once a month is going to be easy. Like easy. that's, you know, bare minimum, but I'm still like having that creative outlet. 
Um, and so, yeah, I started Millennial Money Guide as an email newsletter. And then accompanying it, I had my Instagram account because I do love social media. And it gave me like a reason to design posts and learn more about social media marketing, but still like very low pressure, nothing too serious. Um, and so, yeah, that's pretty much how it started just out of that sort of come to Jesus moment when it came to us getting married and my panic attack, and then also wanting a creative project to kind of merge the two. And I just wanted to have something that I think I could give back to my fellow millennials who were all who were also feeling, you know, these same sort of new life events that were going to be happening and just being a source of, of uh, education in the space and just adding my voice to what was already out there. Yeah. I, I love that. Did the fact that you're like, that you're one of the, I don't know, I'm literally off the top of my head. I know only two other female black financial educators did that. Like, did that pop mm-hmm. into your mind at all? Was that like, oh, mm-hmm. well, nobody, I don't really see a lot of people out there that look like me talking about this. I don't see a lot of black women having this conversation with each other. Mm-hmm. I don't see a lot of women having this conversation with each other over or under the age of, I don't how old is Susie Orman? I love her so much. I'm sorry, Susie, you didn't deserve that. You didn't deserve that burn. I love you so much. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's, if women talking about it they're usually Mm -hmm. you know I would say like over 45 and that's you know while that is not any like we should be thinking and planning for the future it's still just a different conversation and it's a different conversation as a woman of color like like can we talk about that like let's Mm -hmm. be real yeah Uh yeah of course okay so the funny (laughs) the funny thing that I will say is that I think maybe I wasn't really that young I think I was 20 when did I start this I was in my maybe I was 26 or 27 so I really wasn't that young but I think I was a little naive because I legitimately thought starting this project I was like this is an untapped market no one is talking about this like there are no other millennials talking about money and then like I get on my Instagram account and I start you know building a following connecting with other people in the personal finance space on Instagram I was like oh there's a lot of us actually talking about money on here and so these are my people um so I think when I was starting it, I didn't necessarily think of it as like, I'm a black woman and I need to add my voice. I legitimately thought there was no one else talking about money under like the millennial sort of like age group, Um, which like I said, it was, it was, I learned that that was not correct. But obviously I do think that that has been sort of a connection point for some of the followers that I've gained, some of the clients that I've gained, like I've literally had people that fill out my coaching applications say, um, I am interested in learning more about working with you because I feel like I can relate to you because you're younger, you're not an old white man, you're not whatever this or that. And so, yeah, I think just having sort of that shared experience because of the age group that I'm, you know, very obviously marketing to, like it's right in the name, Millennial Money Guide. um, I think that has been good for me, but yeah. And I do think that um, if we're being completely honest, obviously we had the whole, you know, the the racial yeah. reckoning and all the stuff that's been going on to um, these last couple of months. And so I do think that um, it's been one of those things where I think people are more cognizant of the people they're inviting into their spaces. And so I think people have been seeking out more diverse voices. And I think that has also benefited me and played in my favor because I have noticed that I'm getting more people that maybe probably wouldn't have connected with my content before because they're more open to receiving, you know, education and wisdom from someone, a person of color or a black woman. And so I think one of the things that's been really important to me is to use this sort of 
window of opportunity or this season where more eyes are on Black women, to my favor, obviously, to get my voice out there, to spread my message that I, of financial literacy, that's super important to me. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's, it's definitely yeah. been something that works in my favor, I can say for sure. And so because I have this sort of, um, this sort of stage that I'm on, or, you know, this, this opportunity to be a voice as a woman of color in this space, I'm definitely not taking it for granted. And it is important to me. And so everything that I do, I obviously want to do it with excellence. I want to, you know, provide value and, you know, be representative of Black women in this community. Yeah. It's really important to me. Yeah. Which is also why I love your uh, non-judgmental approach. It's, it's not like the, you know, the sister, honey, let me tell you about your money, sassy, yeah. stereotypical, yeah. but it's <laughs> Yeah, that's also, totally not me at all. <laughs> right, right. Um, and it's also not like the severe, oh, Yana, fix my life type of, you know. Oh, yeah, no, that's like, not me. <laughs> how she is like very like grandma, stern. Mm-hmm. You're super approachable, like I, I think I messaged you or emailed you. I don't know. I send you novels. Sorry, mm-hmm. I'm not. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but it, it. I think I emailed you about the post that you were honest about how you you guys bought a new car and you know mm-hmm. that's like you know you, I believe it was like you leased it and it wasn't like a. It was so different from the, you know, cash is king type of yeah. preaching for financial education and it was so approachable and I really I really really appreciated that I love I love your voice and I love yeah how approachable how approachable you are in your education Mm -hmm. it's really really important I would say that if I were to think about like the brand pillars like what defines the millennial money guide brand I think approachability and non-judgment is definitely one of those things because in my opinion personal finance is personal there are different scenarios and situations and factors that all play into people's personal finance journey and so with the example with the car like you were saying it wasn't a lease it was actually that we had just bought a car and we didn't pay cash we got a a loan you know yeah so we were we were smart about it you know there's ways to be smart about buying things that you want it doesn't always have to be like you can't buy yourself nice things like who wants who money should be enjoyed I really feel that way and so it's multifaceted. Like it doesn't have to be just like you have to only eat beans and rice and you can't enjoy life ever. And it doesn't have to be like spend all your money and, you know, YOLO and forget about the future. I think there's a a good (laughs) middle ground where you can have a good life. You can enjoy your life, but you can also build wealth and, you know, be successful, have a high savings rate. Obviously, again, it all plays into like, you know, your income level, people, certain people can do more than others. But I think just being being an example in a way of like you can be smart with money and still enjoy your life it doesn't have to be this like black and white thing I think is really important to me and so that's why I do like like when I first started millennial money guide my Instagram account it was completely anonymous but then I believe it was around probably I think I showed my face a couple of times like just as an introduction post but around January I took a course about social media marketing and Instagram and so I saw the importance of like being a sort of like a face along with the brand and how that can ha- help you have so much more impact than just having an anonymous anonymous account yeah. on social media. And so, you know, just being that face of my account, sharing, you know, my personal finance journey and my husband, the way that we manage money together, like yeah. doing series on couples finance and money mindset and things like that. Like it's all super important to me because I think people really relate to people. And if you show up as like this sort of like, 
holier than thou figure and like, oh, I can do no wrong and this and that. Like, that's not relatable. You're not going to be able to get your message across if people think that you think that you're so great and that you do no wrong. And so by showing, you know, I think there was a point in time when I actually shared the post about my wedding, my pre-wedding freak out and how, um, how we sort of worked through that. It's just those relatable stories. They're kind of funny. They're kind of silly, but um, yeah, just showing the human side of it and not just about the numbers and the education, I think is super important. Yeah, it really, it really is. And it, um, it allows it, what is it? What am I trying to say? It brings people's guards down. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Um, mm-hmm. Especially, and I say that because when I discovered Dave, I was like, I want to have, I want to talk about money. Like I am struggling. Mm-hmm. We are struggling with money, and I know that I don't know what I'm doing with money. And I have a feeling all y'all bitches don't know what you're doing with money. So like, <laughs> I legit did a um like a tea. this is like three years ago or something I did a tea date where I invited like 40 women to my house for tea and I was like hey I literally just discovered Dave Ramsey baby steps it's kind of crazy I'm not trying to sell you anything I literally just want to talk about my like I want to know what are you doing with money like yeah let's share Mm -hmm. information because I'm I'm having a moment but it was just Mm -hmm. crazy how many people were immediately like get down go totally and it was crazy and I was like oh is it because uh, like I'm a lot of people that I approached were like students did it did I did it did I come at them in a way where I sounded like I was I knew everything because I absolutely don't like I don't know anything about money which is why I literally I'm reaching out to people I'm learning you know mm-hmm. um, yeah and I also what I have learned has been so life-changing I want to share it with other people exactly um yeah that's my same sentiment too exactly it truly is people need to know this stuff <laughs> yes and 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 it's kind of like well hey you come from the same background that I come from you come from the same socioeconomic background that I come from no judgment I just I'm, I learned something that I think might help you. But anyway, it, I was just so surprised by how many people were so standoffish and didn't reply, didn't show up when they said they were going to show up, even though some messaged me privately saying, oh, this is really great. I've always wanted to learn about mm-hmm. this. And I would be like, hey, I'm not like teaching a class. I'm just like sharing like the two things that I know. And I'm hoping you could come yeah. with your information. It was just so interesting how depending on your platform how you approach it people will either be are all into it or completely shut down even though it's important stuff it's wild Mm -hmm. to me it's wild to me yeah one of the things that I that I liked sort of a, a new thing that I've sort of been telling people anyone that I really come into contact with is that the importance of recognizing that silence shame and fear keep us stuck and that's so true when it comes to money and it's like you and I have talked about it you know before in previous conversations but this whole idea of money being taboo is just so crazy to me and I know it's just like one of those ingrained things in our society where it's like it's not polite to talk about money and this and that but it's like 
why can't we talk about money? It's so important. Yeah. It's like omnipresent. It's all around us. You can't, there's literally nothing that you can do that didn't involve money. It's like the, the AirPods that we both have in our ears right now that we're recording this podcast with, they cost money. This, you know, laptop that I'm looking at you on costs money. The edamame that I have, that I have sitting next to me that I had for yeah. a snack before, <laughs> before this podcast costs money. So like, why, why can't we talk about it? You know, we yeah. talk about, there's so many other things that are like, quote unquote, inappropriate that we're so open about talking about now that it's 2020. Like, remember when it used to be really taboo to talk about going to therapy? Oh, and now millennials are like, oh, I love therapy. I'm in counseling, marriage count. Like, yeah. so why is like, why is money this just crazy thing that we can't talk about? Yeah. <laughs> so. See, I'm hoping, I'm hoping to do the same thing that I did within, within my social circle. I, I don't, I'm not trying to like, you know, reach across with a long arm and pat my own back. But yeah, I remember once I decided that I'm just going to talk about me going to therapy. Like I would talk about it in my group classes that I taught like as a joke, like, oh, I was in therapy and this crazy thing happened, like joking yeah. about it or, oh, in, you know, having conversations with my girlfriend, like, you know, this one thing happened in therapy, like I normalized it. And the more I normalized mm-hmm. it, you know, the more friends would message me and be like, hey, you know, how did you find your therapist? And it's it, yeah. all of a sudden my friends are reaching out for help. Same thing with yoga the more I mm-hmm. talked about doing yoga and not in the like I'm like the most spiritual person ever and I can do handstands yeah. and I'm like the, sh- the more I like normalize it like no I actually need to do it so like I can move my body I'm not and I'm not a heinous human being um the mm-hmm. more people that I noticed that I had in my circle at least tried it you know so yeah. I'm trying yeah. to do the same thing with money and the more I talk about it and all that stuff I'm hoping that it has that same effect, that maybe we can start this, this wave of um, n- not shaming, just sharing. Is that a thing? No shame, yeah. just share. I'm writing that yeah, down for a t-shirt. No shame, just share. So that way, especially now, like this is the thing that drives me crazy. I wanted to have this conversation about two, three, about two years ago, um, before everybody was jobless. But now we're in, mm-hmm. we are in an age where half of the world is unemployed. More than half of the world is unemployed, but it's still taboo to talk about money. Excuse me, like yeah. this is insane. And mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I, I want to pivot to um your support system I mm-hmm. want to talk about not only do I want to talk about that freak out that you had yeah <laughs> um, I because for me I would have really been like hey listen I love you but I don't want to do the wedding thing like let's uh-huh. go to the courthouse let's sign that paper let's save some money because that's how I was literally the week of my wedding after everything was planned mm-hmm. I was just like oh we were spending so much money mm-hmm. and as far as weddings go, we did not spend a yes. lot of money on Same our here. wedding. Yeah. We spent less than ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars. We had a very, very low budget wedding. I'm yeah. like so proud of that. <laughs> but even then, I was like, this could be in our savings account, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, um, for sure. So, what was that conversation like? And then also, how does your support system, your husband, your family, help you do what you do? Mm-hmm. So the conversation was funny because 
so I kind of touched on it before that my husband is in the military. And so um, it, it was one of those, okay, so I think the, the biggest sort of factor in all of it was just, it was a, a compounding of all the change I was going through. Because not only had, you know, we were getting married, um, I was moving out of my parents' house, I was facing, you know, all those costs, but my husband, uh, being in the military, ended up having to go to some, like, military training school six weeks before, or he was spending six weeks away, like, the the month or so before our wedding, and so we were coming, he was coming back, and I think maybe, like, two or three weeks later, we were getting married, and so I'm at home by myself, trying to not only plan a wedding, but plan where we're going to live, and all this other stuff, and so that's, I think, why it was just, like, that whole compounding effect of, like, all the changes, and like I said before, I'm a planner, and so if it's on my Google spreadsheet, and if I don't have, like, an exact date of when things are happening, and where we're going to be living, and what our couch is going to look like, and what color it's going to be, then it's just, like, it's too much. I'm better about it now, but back then, this is 2015, or maybe 2016, actually, it was very um, interesting. And so it was one of those things where I don't remember if it was before he had gone away or if it was after he had come back, but I had him come over to my parents' house where I was living. And I was like, okay, we need to write some numbers down. We got to do something because he he just kept telling me, he's like, it's going to be okay. And I think it was one of those things where like we talk about money being taboo and, and my husband and I's relationship, it was, I don't feel like it was ever something that was taboo, but I just didn't really have I've, I've been a military, I was a military girlfriend for like four years. So I kind of knew the military and like, you know, they pay for schooling and things like that. But I didn't fully understand like how he got paid when he was still like, he wasn't working a full-time job. He was still in school, but he was getting paid wow. for the military. And so I was like, I don't know how I was like that work. yeah, I was like, how, how are you being paid? Like, what, what are you going, you know, is it just going to be like, I was okay. If it was going to be me just bringing in money for the time being until he graduated. But I just, I legitimately did not understand Cause he just kept saying like, I, I make money. I have money. I'm just like, well, I don't understand. Like, so and yeah. It's so important to like have a partner that is willing to have those conversations yeah. mm-hmm. with you. Like that he didn't get defensive yeah. and is just like, this is just how it works. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I'm assuming it was a conversation of this is how I make my money. Mm-hmm. This is whatever, how much I get in yeah. and it's going to be okay. Yeah. I like having a partner to hear you and be receptive mm-hmm. of like your financial anxieties is like super so wild. Yeah. And and I didn't I didn't realize that until mm-hmm. we started going through our personal journey and I didn't realize how much trauma I had because I didn't grow up like and um not <sighs> I love you, mom. I'm not talking trash. It's just fact. I love you. Okay. There, I have said it because I know she's going to listen to this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But the thing is, is I didn't grow up with, um, you know, Dave Ramsey. My mom didn't. She's a single mother. She's a Mm -hmm. teacher. So it was a lot of budgeting, a lot of making ends meet. Yeah. She literally did the best she could Mm -hmm. with the cards that she was dealt with. So I did not realize I grew up with a lot of anxiety and, mm-hmm. and that type of financial trauma um, until now as an adult, I realized why I do things the way I do, mm-hmm. why I felt the way I felt. And it, and it really wasn't until like truly reading Dave and like um, re- specifically reading Susie Orman's Women and Money book. Mm-hmm. I think I shared with you about this or that passage is like, it's so good. But essentially she talks about how specifically how women feel about their money and their personal finance is a reflection of of how they feel about themselves. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, yeah. shoot. What? <laughs> oh, my God. And at first, I was like, I don't know what she's talking about. This, like, white lady got me all fucked up, and she doesn't know what she's <laughs> talking about. Like, I come from a different, you know, background, and I have a different relationship with money and blah, blah, blah. And then, mm-hmm. like, I let it digest, and I'm like, ooh, this white lady's right. She is so right. <laughs> I need to listen to her because she uh-huh. knows what she's talking about. And it was, um, it was a lot of pride to, you know, it was like an ego check and, and another, um, another self-realization of like, oh, wow, I'm, I really do have an interesting relationship with money. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has led me to make these particular decisions in life. So if I'm going to go ahead and change my relationship with money 10 years into my relationship with my partner. Mm-hmm. That means we both are going to have to change our relationship with money. And he's going to need to be perceptive and receptive of that. For sure. And understand just as I'm coming to realize like, oh, these are some traumas that I have. You're going to need to understand them and 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 like meet me eye to eye with that. That was like, mm-hmm to have that was so like that support is so life-changing and so and beneficial because it you know you you move differently right Mm -hmm. like as a couple you are able to move differently and make different decisions yeah and you mean you have that series of money you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and I think the wonderful thing about relationships too is that I feel like at least in my experience my husband is I wouldn't say that we're opposites because we're definitely not we're definitely on the same page on a lot of things but in terms of like like personalities he's very like I'm the planner he's the go with the flow and so it really is about that balance of like he brings me down to earth sometimes and I like help him with some other things some other times and so I think just us having that balance and you know him being not freaking out about moving out and getting married and me freaking out like obviously like we came to a common ground once we had that discussion and it wasn't anything that was stressful or anything like that we just simply did the numbers. He was like, this is how much money I'm going to be making. This is how much money you're making. This is how much money we need. And we're going to be okay. And I was like, okay, good. And after that, like, it was fine. And the same kind of like going back to what you said too, like we, we were very um, adamant about not paying a lot of money for a wedding because we thought that was dumb, but we did want to have a wedding because I am uh, on my dad's side, I'm the only granddaughter. And so it was really important for me to have a wedding. Not, I didn't, I don't do anything for other people. Like if I'm being serious but I did want to have like a nice wedding that my relatives could attend and it was mainly family I think we had less than I think we had less than 75 people there um we also spent yeah I think we spent around maybe ten thousand dollars maybe a little bit more between the two of us so it was really low-key but it was beautiful and I enjoyed I wouldn't have done any other way like we we very briefly considered having a um courthouse wedding but I was like I wouldn't have wanted that I know I wouldn't have so um yeah yeah. so I think it's just about doing what works for you and I I came back to it before and I don't mean to sort of shift gears but just like doing what makes sense for you when it comes to your money within reason is super important don't have to follow these like conventions and these things that people try to um that society tries to tell us that you know by 30 you should have this much money saved and you have to retire at 65 like who says you can't retire at 50 and, you know, be really aggressive about saving or some other, you know, maybe you want to work until you're 90, like who cares? But um, yeah, I just think it's important to do what works best for you and do it in a smart way. Yeah, I I love that. I love that idea. And I love that motto because it's, it's so, so applicable because like we were saying before, how you make your decisions about money and 
all of that really truly affect your like really affect your entire life I love it Mm -hmm. so what was that moment where when you realized that your your husband what's your husband's name Charles Charles oh that is such a (laughs) dignified name yes um (laughs) um, how did you realize that like okay this was or was there again was there a series of moments where you realized like okay this is this is the person that's gonna help support me and like lift me up Mm -hmm. in life and in my well-being um I don't I don't know if there was like a particular moment he's just if I could just gush on my husband for a second he's just an amazing supportive man like he's always been um from the very beginning just so kind and loving and we and like I said, we kind of, we have very similar personalities. And so we're definitely a couple that we don't really fight. We've never had rough patches or like a makeup breakup type thing. Like, um, it's actually kind of funny. I don't know if I've ever told him this before, but I remember when we first started dating back in 2012-ish. And like I keep saying, I was living at home with my parents. And I remember sitting on the stairs in my parents' house. My mom was in the kitchen cooking dinner. And I think I was either like, texting Charles or doing whatever and my mom she's like you know what I was like what she's like I think you're gonna marry him and I was like what because I already knew I was gonna marry him but I was like no yeah no no I'm not she's like yeah I think you're gonna marry him I was like I was like maybe I will (laughs) so yeah it's um we've actually known each other since high school we never dated in high school but it was one of those things where when we were in 10th grade he did tell me that he had a crush on me and so like we like I said we never dated in high school but we kind of were reconnected (laughs) yeah we were reconnected um in our college years through a mutual friend and so from pretty much like early 2012 until obviously now we're still married we've just been sort of together and it's like a a great partnership we're very much um supportive of what each other does and you know going back to what you asked about like how he supports my business like he definitely keeps me grounded in that but he's 100% supportive of it I think it's one of those things where it's new for him because I don't think either of us really had an idea of like growing a business in this sort of digital age online space. And so I think it's one of those things where I get really excited about the potential and the possibilities. And I'm happy that I have someone like him to be able to run to and say, look at what I can do in the future. Like, this is so exciting for me and he's excited for me too. So um, I forgot what your original question is. I hope I answered it, but yeah, he's, he's just been amazing. Yeah, he's never, I've never had any doubt that he was going to be supportive of anything that I want to do. And I definitely feel the same about him too. That's awesome. Yeah, you answered my question. It sounds like it's it's a series of moments that yeah, you, for made sure. you realize that this is the right person um, mm-hmm. for you and able to support you in, in especially in your occupation. And, and I got to say, like, I love hearing women talk about how much they love their husbands and not just because like oh he buys me things but because he supports my hustle he supports my Mm -hmm. dream like he I can go to him with a a fine not a financial milestone but like an occupational milestone and they're Mm -hmm. like yeah that's awesome like they cheer like I don't know there's something about how your girlfriends cheer you on sometimes it's a little different how your spouse cheers you on and it's mm-hmm. like, it's nice to hear when a girlfriend has a spouse that cheers her on in the same way that like, I would cheer her on. Like, yeah, you got yeah. I love you. Like, you deserve it. <laughs> so, yeah, like, for sure. I love that. I, I don't really hear that enough. So I, I <laughs> you brag on your man, girl. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, 
I mean, Ayana, typically we go into like the best breakup, but I feel like I want to end this on a high note. And I feel like that was such a nice high note. Um, <laughs> let's end it here. But um, I want to go into recommendation corner. And if there are books or if there are um, other podcasts besides this one um, that you want to <laughs> plug um, or any of your talks, please let um let the listeners know sure um okay so as far as books I think one of the ones that has been the most life-changing for me recently which um you were kind of touching on money traumas and things like that and I think it's it's really interesting because money trauma is one of those things that kind of is a it's like a silent I don't want to say a silent killer but in a way it kind of is because it it's one of those things that we don't really know how much it affects us until we're sort of faced with the reality of it and so even with me being someone in the personal finance space, being a money coach, I didn't realize the money traumas that I had, particularly around like this whole idea of building wealth and being okay with it and not being concerned that it's going to change you or make you a bad person or anything like that. And so the book is called, You Are a Bad A, I'm not going to curse because my mom's going to listen to this. You Are a Bad A at Making Money by Jen Sincero, I believe is the author. Um, Have you read that one? I haven't read that one, but I've read the other one. You're a bad A. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. How to like the how to get unstuck one. Yeah, exactly. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. So this one is particularly, I, I believe, the subtitle is about mastering the mindset of wealth. Okay. And it really not only has it helped me, I think it's helped me the most in like growing my business because I think for. I don't want to get too deep into it because I know we're ending, but you know, I think I just had some limiting beliefs around wealth building and being okay with charging what I know I'm worth when it comes to my coaching and my business. And so that book- We are going to get into that for sure. That <laughs> yeah. Is- uh-huh. Oh Lord. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I definitely recommend that book for anyone okay. who feels like they have any limiting beliefs about money or building wealth because I'm all for building wealth. Like I want to be a millionaire. So- that book, I mean, I was going to be a millionaire either way. I'm working towards it, but that book has even helped me even more with that journey that I am sort of going to be going on. Um, so I love that book. I also love the book um, Atomic Habits is really good. I read that earlier this year. Okay. It's not directly related to money, but it's a good book as far as like self-improvement and uh, sort of like a really analytical in a way approach to habit building and the importance of it. Um, as far as podcasts, a lot, of, a lot about money making is habits. Like, yeah, for truly, sure, it is. I mean, you just don't realize how mindless. I mean, for, for me, I just didn't realize how just mindless I was behaving with my money. Um, and mm-hmm. that's because I was just in a in a mode of just doing things out of habit and not and still living in the place of trauma and not in yeah. a place of where I am now. And that's, mm-hmm. um, that's a come to Jesus moment sponsored by my best friend, Jen. I love you, Jen, um, <laughs> who at one point we were hot, like I was, I was going through something and it was like something that she text, texted me like this, you know, this is, of course you're behaving this way because of X, Y, and Z, but mm-hmm. we're, we're in this place now. And it was like a you know yeah mm-hmm. yeah atomic habits all right that's definitely yeah. going in the show notes for sure 
Um, yeah, and then I'm drawing a blank on podcasts. I do listen to a lot of podcasts, but they're mainly like focused on either like I love listening to the New York Times, the daily podcast, just to catch up on world events. Yeah. Um, or like I listen to NPR a lot if I'm actually driving. But as far as the podcasts that I listen to, they're typically like business related um, podcasts. Oh, one that I actually have been listening to recently. I don't know the name of it, but Bob Goff. I don't know if he's like a motivational speaker. I don't I really don't know who this man is, but he's okay. just a, an absolute joy and a delight. And I, I think his podcast is maybe called Dream Big. I don't want to say that. Don't quote me on that. But I'll find I think it it's like I'll the Dream Big the podcast. With, yeah, with Bob Goff, G-O-F-F. Um, that one's been really, really fun to listen to recently. Okay. Just like as a sort of motivational, good background noise when I'm working. So awesome. all those. Okay, cool. <laughs> I will put all those in the show notes. Listeners, check them out. Um I don't have any, uh, I personally don't have any books um, or any podcasts. Um, I will tell the listeners for anybody who is um, searching for any group support meetings, they have recently updated all of the, um, let me rephrase, they recently updated most of the um, AA CODA NA websites for online Zoom meetings. So if any of y'all out there need to hop in a meeting to, you know, get that group support, they have recently updated their stuff. So be sure to check it out if you need it. Ayana, thank you so, so much for joining me. Like, I truly appreciate you. So tell the listeners, where can they find you where you want to be found? I am most active on Instagram. So if you are looking for money advice, tips, funny memes, occasionally stories, inspiration, learning more about my coaching services, you can follow me at millennialmoney.guide on Instagram. And I would love to connect with you on there. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you again for sharing your time. And thank you for sharing your wellness journey with me. I'll see you next week. Okay. See you. Thank you. Well, that's the end of the episode, Warriors. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I loved recording it. Don't forget, Ayana and I will be back next week with more Money Talk. And like I mentioned at the top of this episode, we're going to get into what financial literacy looks like. We're going to talk about financial traumas and what they look like. We're also going to talk about limiting beliefs and how to actually build a healthy relationship with money. I'm so excited for you all to listen to this episode. Until then, hit me up on Instagram and tell me how much you love this episode or give it a review on iTunes or share it with a friend or put this on your story. The point is, let people know about this podcast. Help an Afro-Latina out. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) All right, I got to get out of here. Until next week, be brave, be light, be well.